something you've been putting off. Maybe you say, someday I'll do that, or when I have more time. Whether the item is a big bucket list item or something smaller like going on a hike, now is the time to start your Say Yes list. And we have the perfect process to help you turn these items into reality. Join thousands of others with our free Say Yes list template at thesayyesexperience.com forward slash list. It'll help you stop living in that someday and start making those list items come true today. So download it now at thesayyesexperience.com forward slash list. Welcome to the Say Yes Experience podcast, where we inspire you to get out of your comfort zone and into possibility. Our mission at the Say Yes Experience is to empower 10 million people to say yes. If you're new here, welcome. We're thrilled you're here. I'm Jessica Rector. I co-founded the Say Yes Experience with my then nine-year-old son, Blaze, based off his idea to let's just say yes to things. I'm one of the top experts on burnout, and companies and conferences hire me to present on mental health, wellness, and burnout prevention. As a number one best-selling author of 11 books, keynote speaker, and a burnout specialist, I've seen so much with our clients. The Say Yes Experience was started to help you really start living, to do the things that light you up, have more fun, and turn your dreams of what we call Say Yes List Items into reality. So thank you for investing in yourself and being here. Now let's make it happen. Our guest today had a dream of being a race car driver ever since she was a little girl. Find out how she won and beat out the competition that had more money and legacy in driving where she had none of that and how she now inspires girls all over the world. Please help me welcome our guest today, Audrey Warb. Audrey, thank you so much for being here today. Now, I am super excited to talk to you because you just jumped right into a male-dominated industry when you had your Say Yes experience. And I know there's people out there that women, especially who are in male-dominated industries, right? And so what made you want to say yes to being a race car driver? Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to do your show. I started having the passion for racing when we went to our local track ever since I was very little. And when I was eight years old, I told my dad, I want to do that. I want to race with the big boys. I want to be a professional race car driver. My dad built cars and cars ever since I can remember. Uh, That's been his passion. And he kind of got me started in loving anything that goes fast, anything with a motor. So that's kind of where it all started. I love it. So at eight years old, what if you can think back to when you're eight years old, what made you say, I want to drive with the big boys? I mean, even, you know, being around races and going to the track doesn't necessarily like ignite that kind of passion in someone to say, hey, I want to do that, especially in a male dominated industry when you're a young girl. So what made you see that and say, hey, Not only that's what I want to do, but as you get older, to actually do it. Um, I think it was just seeing the fans interact with the racing. Uh, The NHRA is very wonderful, and every ticket is a pit pass. So you really get to go up to the line and meet all the racers. And one of my good friends now, uh, Jack Beckman, he kind of got me into... He's very personable, and he brought me up to the line and started talking to me and everything. And... 
I was like, they're so personable. They're just regular people and they get to drive fast. Like, how awesome is that? And I, I think that it kind of equates into other sports. I mean, there's little kids that play football that eventually want to go into the NFL and just mm-hmm. kind of like that. It is a little different with a female in the male-dominated sports, but the NHRA is so inclusive now. They have so many female racers, and it was just kind of great a great sport to get into. So take us back to, because now they may be completely inclusive, but take us back to when you were in it and when you were just getting started in it, were you the only female? Was there only a few females? How did that make you feel? How did you really tackle that? So back in the day, Shirley Muldowney was the only female top fuel racer and she kind of paved the path for female racers. And so when I was little, there was a pro stock racer and a pro stock motorcycle racer in the professional ranks. So that kind of also helped pave the path for people coming up like me. When I was racing, there was only three of us. It was Leah Pruitt, myself, and Brittany Force. And so it was kind of cool being like a a pack of women in a male-dominated sport. And the fans, the girls that would come up and say oh my gosh, I want to be you when I grow up because how did you do this and how can I get into this? Because you're a little tiny girl racing against the men and the big dogs. So it was just kind of cool. It was a cool experience and something really great to be a part of. Okay, so when someone says you're a little tiny girl, how tall are you? What what does little tiny girl mean against these big guys? I am 5'3", and at the time, I was about, like, 120 pounds. Just a little bitty thing. (laughs) Going against these big guys. So you became a role model for these young girls. Yeah, that was really one of the best parts. I mean, we, I love kids, and we always kind of included the families and the kids and brought the families into our pits, let the kids sit in the race cars, and just the girls that are turning 16 and learning how to drive and then say that one day they want to be like me. I was, it was really emotional. Oh my gosh. You're making an impact just going out there and, and being you and doing yourself and you never know who's watching. So were you watching at, when you were eight years old, were you watching someone specific there that you thought I want to be like them or what really led you to saying yes to that because you know there's oftentimes when we're young when we're eight or ten and we really don't know what we don't know right we say oh I want to do that I want to be a teacher I want to be a firefighter I want to be a policeman and then as we get older we go in a completely different direction so what really made you say yes and to stick with it throughout those years as you grew and found out about different aspects of the of the job yeah John Force is they call him the GOAT, the greatest of all time. I think he's 16 or 17 time champion now. And he just kind of was building an empire. His daughter's raced. I got to have the pleasure of racing his daughter, Brittany, in Top Fuel. And she is now two-time world champion. She just won last year. And she really has gotten to be an, incre- an incredible friend. We talk off the racetrack. I keep up with her social media when we're not able to go to the races and so I watched her and John and like I said Jack Beckman and they just they're so personal and so great and I just wanted to come up and be like them I'm like they're so nice and they get to drive 300 miles an hour why wouldn't I want to be like them 
why wouldn't I want to do that? That sounds amazing, right? And you get to go that fast. Oh my gosh. How cool is that? So when you first started driving, take us through what that looked like, what that felt like, because it's not lying just you know, most 16-year-olds are nervous just driving a regular car on the road. And this is a whole nother ball game. So take us through how it felt the first time you were behind the wheel when you actually got out on a racetrack. So I have always loved to drive. I got my license the absolute day I could when I turned 16. And my dad built front engine dragsters at the time, and I had the pleasure of driving one of his shop cars as a demo car. And that car was about eight seconds. Yeah, it was a blast. It was about eight seconds, and it went around 165 miles an hour, I believe. And I drove that for eight years. So my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, Aaron, he had a race team friend from Michigan and I got to get my license in their car. And the licensing process for going from the slower car to the faster car was supposed to be three passes and you had to go so fast. And we kept hitting rain and we had to travel. We did our licensing in Canada and we did some in Uh, some other tracks and we had to kind of beat the weather which was insane for the first time i got in the top fuel car i was wearing funny car boots at the time instead of dragster shoes and my foot stuck under those people who don't know what are those oh funny car boots kind of because uh the motor is in front of you in a funny car and in the front engine dragster the motor is also in front of you so they kind of encase your foot uh, a little more they're a little thicker uh, versus dragster shoes just being kind of like a smoother shoe that you can put Velcro over the laces so you get caught. Oh, yeah. So my, my boot got stuck uh, at the throttle pedal, and my throttle got stuck, and then the car blew up, and there was a huge fireball. <laughs> so all of the guys and the team owner and everybody, yeah, yeah, for the very first time, like I've never driven a top fuel car in my life, and this was a a licensing uh, like a test pass all I know the owner of the car <laughs> the owner of the car and his dad were like oh my gosh we're so sorry what happened like they thought it was tuning related and something on their end and I'm like no I think my foot got stuck like it's okay uh I mean I got it shut off everything was all good I practiced in my head how to shut it off and get out multiple times before that And I got out and they're like, if you don't want to get back in, that's fine. I was like, no, when are we going again? Like, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's do this. So they were kind of surprised. They really thought I was going to say, I don't really want to get back in. But I'm like, no, this is my dream and I'm doing it. So let's go. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The car caught on fire. How did you feel? Yeah, like like a huge fireball. They all say that my eyes were about like super huge, (laughs) but it was. It was kind of scary, but the adrenaline just kind of gets you pumped up. And I mean, it was a goal and a passion of mine. So I just figured it comes along with the territory of, of running a nitro car. And I wanted to go again. So what did it take for you to actually pass that test? Because I'm assuming that didn't help you pass the test. No. So um, you had to go. I forget what the specs are in my head right now, but I think you had to go over 250 miles an hour, if I believe. And so we packed up. I think we ran one more time that day, and then we packed up because it started raining. 
So it took about three to four weekends, but after we did it, we licensed at Cayuga in Ontario, Canada. And then the next day, my dad and I drove down to the biggest race of the year. They call it the Big Go. It's in Indianapolis. And we got the NHRA drivers and the NHRA official to sign off on my license. And we drove like eight hours to get it done the next day so that I'd have it because my national event that I went to since I was little was the big go is Labor Day weekend. And my national event that I wanted to debut at is later on in September. So I wanted to get my license in and done and ready to go so I could debut at Maple Grove in Pennsylvania. And we did it. And how was that? Oh my God, that's so exciting. Yeah, it was incredible. The first race, I had butterflies. I was terrified, but I was also excited. And we had some front end issues. And one of the other racers, Scott Palmer, the great thing about the NHRA is they're just like a huge, big family. And everybody was there cheering me on. Um, so Scott came over and let us use parts for from his front end to fix our front end so that I could so I could race and, and debut at my home track. And just seeing all the people come over, like Jack Beckman took me on the golf cart, took me down to the end of the track and said, this is where you turn off these guys. Because so far, all my friends have been tests. So there wasn't any NHRA officials or top end track guys telling you how to turn off or what to do. So he took me down and kind of introduced me to the guys and showed me what to do and where to go and where to stop for all the TV cameras and everything. So that was just one of my idols who I've loved since I was little was was taking me on his golf cart and showing me all the all the ropes. It was just incredible. Wow. And what's really impactful about that is that those are things that you wouldn't have known necessarily if he hadn't showed you and even like where to get off and stuff, if you hadn't thought to ask that beforehand, you would have been in the process of racing and maybe going, uh, I don't even know where to get off. What do I do now? You know, so that could have really exactly. hurt your, your thinking and being, you know, because you're the moment you're going that fast. You have to be very focused and you you need to know what to do, right? Or this is what I'm picturing in my head because I've never actually done it, obviously. But, you know, you have to be in the moment, you have to be focused, and you have to know these things so it comes second nature to you. Okay, this is what I do, this is where I turn, this is where I get off. So, and then that could have messed up your thought process while you're racing. Yeah, a lot happened. I mean, we're going 300 miles an hour in three to four seconds, and a lot happens in that short of a time. So, the, just the fact that I must have sat in the car with my eyes closed and everyone used to always say, what is she doing? Sleeping or meditating or what? Are you? And I'm like, no, I'm I'm visualizing what I need to do. A lot happens in, in that short amount of time. I think all the professional racers kind of visualize a little bit at some point. So I call the driver's seat of a top fuel car my happy place. I could sit in there for hours and just kind of just relax and picture what I need to do, and I love doing it. Do you want to start saying yes, but you just don't know where to start? And oftentimes when we don't know where to start, we just don't start. So we created an ebook just for you. We put together 101 ways to say yes in this ebook. Ideas, big and small, things that only take a small amount of time, like one to two minutes. 
Whether you're saying yes to yourself in your family, relationships, or pushing yourself lovingly outside of your comfort zone with adventures, it's all made to really help you become more of your rock star self. So you can get this ebook at thesayyesexperience.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K. So if you want to start saying yes, or maybe you need some ideas on how to say yes because you get so caught up in being busy and doing tasks and projects or doing laundry and cooking that the time flies by and you want to spend time with your family, but you just don't know how to say yes. Those ideas just don't come to you. We put it together to make it super, super easy for you. So go to thesayyesexperience.com forward slash book to get your copy today and start saying yes now. Are you feeling overwhelmed, stressed, or burned out? We get it. You're not alone. In fact, according to our research, 79% of the workforce is in burnout and almost half are in extreme burnout. In fact, it's the number one reason why people are leaving organizations. They're burned out. They're looking for something more. They're looking for something better. But it doesn't have to be that way. We have your solution. It's called Blaze Your Brain to Extinguish Burnout. 52 Keys to Prevent, Breakthrough, and Eliminate Burnout. You can find your copy at justcorrector.com forward slash store. Now, this is a great tool that you can use with yourself, with your colleagues, within your organization. Everyone can get one and you can go through one a week with them. And at the end, you can say, what was something that worked this week? What was the success you had? So you can champion and encourage each other. You can also ask what were the challenges and issues that came up so you can mastermind and brainstorm around those to keep those from coming up in the future. So make sure you get your copy at justcorrector.com forward slash store. All books are autographed with a personal message just for you. So how does that help you? Because I think that can apply to a variety of aspects in your life, like picturing what you need to do or where you want to go or, you know, how you're going to get there. And I just heard something the other day that dreams, and I don't, it's a paraphrase, but it was somebody was quoting someone else and I can't even remember who it was, but it was a paraphrase and they basically were saying, that the people who achieve their dreams are the ones who actually visualize it because you will never get there if you can never visualize it. So how did that help you whenever you were racing to visualize it beforehand? Yes. So I never was good at imagination and visualizing things until I started racing. When I sat in the car and visualized what I needed to do and pictured everything and where I need to go and turn off, uh, it really helped. I ended up winning my first round um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, where they race four wide instead of two. And I had the pleasure slash it was a bittersweet moment because I love Brittany Force. She is one of my friends and idols. But on the racetrack, you have no friends. But I had um, the opportunity to beat her. And at the time, she was the world champ. So that was huge. And again, with the family aspect of the NHRA, we were a low, lower budget team compared to most of them. And everyone kind of came over and they were helping like work on the car because I believe you only have around 90 minutes in between rounds to tear it completely apart and put it back together and get ready for the next round. 
So there's other professional teams coming and helping. Another friend of mine, a driver, Antron Brown, came over and on the way up to the pit or up to the starting line, he was like hanging off the side of the car, buckling me in because we were rushing to get back up to the starting line. So just visualizing where I needed to go really helped. I I never imagined I would win a four wide, let alone a two wide round and not against the champ for sure. And visualizing it helped you get there and stay focused and clear so you could actually win. So that is super powerful. So tell me a little bit more about your background versus other backgrounds. So you said we were a lower, um, you didn't have the big budget, right, for racing. You didn't come from a, a legacy like your friend, you know, her father also raced. So you didn't come from that. So kind of tell us a little bit about your background versus some of the other racers and then how you overcame that and still was, was able to win in spite of that. Yeah, you know, we joke about it all the time because I'm not a third generation or second generation racer. My dad never raced. He built cars, but he never drove. So it's kind of more challenging, but it was also exciting because we were thought of as an underdog. The bigger teams have two to five million per year and we were racing with probably about 100 to 150,000. So it was a huge, like we were using used parts compared to their brand new. It was a huge accomplishment to be able to win a round. Just incredible. Like we joke about it and say that this little tiny girl from Grantville, Pen Pennsylvania, which probably has 100 to 200 people in the whole town. It's just crazy that I could go and live my dream and my passion of racing a professional car with a team that I came from the middle of nowhere compared to the other people that maybe live in Indy or the professional race teams are based and come from a family of racers. Well, and it just goes to show you that no matter your background, no matter where you come from, no matter the amount of money that you have, if it's a small town versus a big town, a small budget versus a big budget, whether you've had you know, five people in your family who've done it or no people who've done it. If you have that passion, you have that drive and that desire, you can go out there and achieve. You can go out there and do and you can go out there and be successful if you have that dream to follow it because you don't know what's going to happen. And I also love how you're talking about like the community that is really involved with race car driving. It, 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 although like out on the track, you want to win, right? Obviously, you want to win. So it's got to be a little competitive. But when you're thinking of it as a whole, it's more of a family. It's more of a unit. We're here to help everyone. Because also, when you get out there and you know everybody's coming out, they're doing their best, and you win, then it's like, okay. But, you know, everyone was doing their best. And I won, as opposed to they're not having the parts, and that's why I won. Or they're not having the budget, and that's why I won. But you know, we're all in it together. We all want to have a really good race. We all want to make sure that everyone is safe in having that race. So tell me how that community, that family unit really helped you throughout race car driving. Yeah, it was so fun because I got to do it. Like I said before, I'm a huge daddy's girl and I got to do something with my dad that not many people get to do. I also got to do it. My husband was tuning the car. So I got to do it with my dad and my husband. Oh, so to do it with my family 
and then to also grow and become a, a part of the NHRA family, it was just incredible. John Force would come over and he, he said once, when I beat Brittany, he was like, you know, if anyone had to today, I'm glad it was you. Welcome to the NHRA. And he gave me a big hug. And everyone now calls my dad Pop Worm. And it's just been so incredible. And everybody is just so nice. And I haven't been able to, to get to a professional race since before COVID because COVID happened and all the lockdown and everything. And then I had a baby boy. So we haven't been able to get back down. And I just said to my husband the other day, I miss my NHRA family. We were watching it on TV because we still watch and support it and follow everyone. But yeah. I, I really miss them. They become such a big part of my life. Of course. And for so long. So how has really saying yes and creating that say yes experience in a male-dominated industry, how has that helped you now and in different areas and in different parts of your life? Yes. So I think it kind of gave me the opportunity to really live my passions and give myself permission to say yes to the things I want to do without kind of worrying about what people think. And it helped me recently because obviously I have my baby boy. He's 10 months old. And I didn't want to go back to work for a corporate job. I wanted to be able to stay home with him. So I gave myself permission and said yes. And I just launched and started my own business so that I can stay home with him. So I think really giving yourself permission and the opportunity to live the passion and do what you want. I think passion drives everything in your life. So my passion for wanting to stay home with my son and be an intent, the intentional mom I want to be, I think saying yes to racing and just realizing that I have the opportunity and the just the ability to say yes and live the life that I want to live. Well, and yes. And also, if you think back to, I mean, you were really saying yes at eight that you wanted to do that. And then when you got to come, of, when you became of age that you could actually drive and do it, saying yes and creating that experience back there changed your lives, your life in so many different ways, allowing you to now say yes in other areas of your life. But really, you probably became stronger than you thought possible. You probably learned a lot more than you ever dreamed that you could learn. And just doing something like that, really giving you a whole nother family, a community on which to build. And really, you know, I think oftentimes community is often overlooked in that support group because it wasn't just you saying yes to you. You were saying yes to something so much bigger that you didn't even know. And then you're creating that trickle effect into other areas because you became a role model for so many young girls who say, oh, I want to do that. Look at Audrey. She's doing that. Why can't I do that? And the impact that you make and you going out and sharing your story will still impact other women and young girls who say, oh, okay, well, I didn't think I could do that, but now I know I can. And so how does that make you feel realizing that you saying yes way back then impacted you in all these different ways and really you created a ripple effect without even intentionally trying to do it. Yeah, it, it makes me excited and it makes me very proud of myself that I was able to just say yes and 
live the dream of an eight-year-old. I mean, I did it eight years later. I was 16 when I started driving and I was probably the five when I started racing professionally, if I remember right. And so to be able to live your passion and do it that much longer or that much later in life, I really think it's huge. And I love being able to inspire little girls. I think that passion is a huge thing. And a lot of times you hear, well, I don't know whether it's from your parents or a teacher or like if you have a crazy dream when you're little, not everyone is supportive. Luckily, my dad and my husband and everyone behind me were super supportive. But now the ability to be able to help little girls, I still get people messaging me on my racing Facebook and Instagram. I'm not super crude with it because I haven't been racing, but I'm like, yeah, I'll totally help you walk through uh, your goal and passion or the process of jumping in a race car. I still have connections, obviously, with my racing family. Uh, and now to be able to, when my husband, or my husband, when my baby is older, I definitely want to take him to the track and show him what his mom could do. And yeah. I think it's going to be fun to just hire kids of all, whether they're boys or girls. The other fun part was we raced for Parkinson's disease awareness. My dad has mm-hmm. Parkinson's. So I got a that's fantastic whole nother family of community and support mm-hmm. through the Parkinson's people. We raced for the Michael J. Fox Foundation and we ran a outrun PD campaign. And we had Parkinson's patients come inside our car. So mm-hmm. they also became part of our race family and part of our Parkinson's family. And I still keep in touch with some Parkinson's patients that I met traveling the state. One lives in Arizona. He's a good friend of ours. And just keeping up with his Parkinson's journey has been just really inspiring to me. Uh, My dad still battles with it. So just being able to keep up with that community as well and and do some fundraising stuff has also been really incredible. And giving back and helping out. Thank you so much, Audrey. I know people are out there are thinking, okay, she was only 25 when, you know, she was still super young. But if you think about it, it started when you were eight. So it was 17 years later. So it's never too late to create that say yes experience, to go after your dreams, to pursue your passion, to come up with your passion, to really start asking yourself, what am I passionate about? What is it that I want to do? What is that say yes experience I want to create? Because you never know who you're going to go out there and really become a role model for just by showing up and being your best amazing self. So thank you so much, Audrey, for sharing your story and for saying yes into a male-dominated industry and going out there and inspiring so many young girls and women alike. So make sure that you're going out there and you're saying yes and creating that experience for yourself, following your passion, creating that dream. And whether it's two years later, 17 years later, or 37 years later, it's never too late to start and live the life that you imagined. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Are you ready to move to your next level of rockstar greatness? CFO, Chief Fun Officer, number one bestselling author, and keynote speaker, Blaze Rector, is ready to help you do that. At just 10 years old, he's already written two number one bestselling books. Through the power of storytelling, he uses lessons learned and shares strategies, tips, tactics, and tools to inspire, empower, and motivate you to live a more amazing life. So if you're ready to do that in your own life, grab a copy of his number one bestselling books at justcorrector.com forward slash store. 
And when you order your copies, he will personally autograph them and write you a message on those books before shipping them out to you to really inspire and empower you in your life. These books are great for adults and kids alike. So if you're ready to move to your next level of rockstar greatness, make sure you grab your copy at justcorrector.com forward slash store. Enjoy those amazing, empowering, transformational books. Did you know that the two biggest issues impacting the workforce are mental health and burnout? Well, we have your solution. The more that you feel burned out, the more it impacts your mental health. The more your mental health is impacted, the more it leads to burnout. So it's a vicious cycle that goes around and around, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can help them both if you're intentional and strategic with it. We have lots of resources for you at justcorrector.com forward slash store. One that I want to highlight that really enhances your mental health is Tame Your Brain Game, 52 Tips to Turn Negative Thoughts into Positive Action. Now, research shows that 80% of your thoughts are negative. No matter how positive you feel, it's the pattern and the habit that you've developed over the course of years, over the course of decades. And that can often impact your life, how you show up, how you lead, how you communicate, how you engage, whether at work or at home. And then it also impacts a work environment. All you need is one NN or TT, negative Nancy or toxic Tim, to really impact that work environment. So if you are ready to enhance your mental health, get your copy of Tame Your Brain Game, 52 Tips to Turn Negative Thoughts into Positive Action today at justcorrector.com forward slash store. All books are autographed with a personal message just for you. Thank you so much for being here. Check us out at thesayyesexperience.com. Our mission at the Say Yes Experience is to empower 10 million people to say yes. With your help in sharing our podcast, we can do that. Follow us on all social media at the Say Yes Experience and join our free community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Say Yes Experience. Thank you again to our guest. You can find all the contact information for our guest in the show notes. Thank you to our CFO, Chief Fund Officer, Blaze Rector, our business advisor, Lisa Verhurek, and to our team at Jessica Rector Enterprises. We look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Have an amazing day and keep being a rock star. Oh, 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 o